what if I just immediately froze up once I saw the recorded light come out? I'm like, we were having this great conversation. The minute the red light comes on, I'm like, oh no. Like Marsha on the episode of Brady Bunch, she like got the red light. She'd been practicing, oh, and then I she's know, like. I, I have never seen an episode of the Brady Bunch. Oh, well, you're not missing anything. Okay. <laughs> you're one of the few people to say that. And usually, like, oh, I can't believe that. <laughs> hey, everybody. Welcome back to Wings with Friends, Cloud Top Comedy Festival Edition. I'm your host, Mary Upchurch. I'm really excited to be here with a wonderful, talented person, Mr. Matt Alano-Martin. Hello. How are you? Hi. That's a, that's a lot to live up to, but I'll do my best. I'll try to be talented <laughs> and I? wonderful today. Okay. Well, if you could just... If, just one, be one. one or the other. Yeah, just be talented. Okay, let me juggle real quick so I can just get that part out of the way. <laughs> Hello, Matt. Thanks for being here. I can't believe you're not commenting on the fact that I'm juggling seven chainsaws right now. You're going to add in the, the sound effects later in post, That's right? That's talented. Okay. Yeah. Oh, I have to do sound effects yeah, now? Let it, yeah, in post, you have to add in the sound of, of oh, seven sure. chainsaws. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> or you can just do it right now, Michael Winslow style. I like that. How did you get how did you get chainsaws all the way to Santa Fe? <laughs> uh, well, I, there was a yard sale I stopped by, and uh, yeah. Nice. Anyway. So, thank you for doing this podcast. I'm excited to meet you and get uh, to know you a little bit better, but you are here as a comedian, as an industry. Tell me a little bit about what you do and who you are. Sure. Uh, well, I am a stand-up comedian based out of Bloomington, Indiana. Uh, I've been doing comedy now for a little over 10 years, and uh, I, this is my main gig as I tour all over the country, um, doing like DIY tours, and then also like working at clubs, um, either as a feature or a headliner, depending on how big the club is, you know, things like that. Um, and then I also produce a festival every year in Bloomington called Limestone Comedy Festival, cool. and it's uh, going into its eighth year. It's one of the ten largest comedy festivals in the country. Holy cow! Yeah. Congratulations. Thank you. So it's a, it's a lot of work. So I bet. Yeah, we're actually yeah. gearing up. We start about nine months out every year. So actually next week uh, we, we have our second production meeting. Um, myself and my partner in that festival, Jared Thompson. So How many people are on your leg? Two, me and Jerry Thompson. Oh, that's a lot of work. We're, yeah, so we do pretty much just about everything. We usually have like an intern uh, that helps me with like marketing and design stuff. Whether it's like web, we just redid the website a couple years ago. We had an intern, Emil Wakim, who's a, an amazingly hilarious comedian, but also very, very young, him. talented kid. Yeah. You know? And so, oh, you probably saw him at Oak City. Oak I City. Think? Yeah. I met him. Yeah, yeah. He's a really nice guy. He's just super smart and savvy. And basically showed up and wanted to help out with the club in Bloomington, and also wanted to help out the festival. So he was a huge help. Oh, the wings are already here. Oh, my We're gosh. We're already into wing territory. These look dangerous. Yeah, no, it's going to be good. Uh, but, yeah, so that's that's who I am, and those are the two things that brought me to uh, Cloudtop. Um, side note, because you mentioned Emil, and then you said he just wanted to help out. Yeah. What a great way to get involved. Yes. I hear so many people like, oh, I didn't get in. I don't want to do that. I don't do that. I'm like, I feel like that's the wrong attitude to have. Like, if you, like... I think you can learn a lot, make a lot of good, uh, build a lot of good relationships just by, like, helping out, volunteering. Like, do you recommend that? Yeah. I, th I mean, it depends on each on your personality and what your talents are. But, yeah, I mean, yeah, you see it here at this festival. There's a lot of local comics that are volunteering, you know, and uh, helping out. And if you don't love comedy in that way to kind of put yourself and your ego aside for a second and just like, oh, this is a cool thing and I want to help out and have, have this help happen, um, that, that's not the best attitude, I don't think. I think that if you want to jump in and just kind of help support your local comedy scene in whatever way, um, I think that's that's obviously the best way to do it. And, you know, you have to do it sort of pure of heart. You yeah. can't expect to get something out of it. Yeah. You have to really be like, oh, this is awesome. I can work the door. 
I can do. I can help you move chairs. Like it can be as simple as that. I can go hang up posters at all the stores. Yeah. I've got a free afternoon. Like that attitude, I think, goes a long way. And you know, and I think. If it comes down to later, a funny comic who's nice and wants to help out and a funny comic who is a surly, brooding prick that doesn't want to do anything, right. that's a pretty easy decision for people yeah. that are running things on who they're, who they're going to give a spot to, you know? Right. I've been to festivals where they had a cancellation or an emergency, and it's like, hey, can you fill in? And yes. Sometimes just being there is... Oh. Huge. There's a huge. This is a such a great story too about that about just going and showing up. If you have a comedy club in your scene, the comics that don't go and hang out at the club. I'm not. You know, and we all have like jobs and families and responsibilities and things too. So you can't be there all the time. Sometimes you can if you're like 21 and unattached or whatever. You can right. make it your entire thing, but you should still be putting in the time of just not just when you're going up on stage but going out and hanging out supporting your local comics but also watching from the professionals that they bring in on the weekends but this great story of Jeff Tate from Cincinnati he was just there helping out and he was working the door and Mike Birbiglia's flight or whatever got cancelled and they're like we need somebody to fill this time and Jeff you know had been doing comedy for a while they knew he was good and he had closed out like smaller shows so Jeff gets up and basically sold out show of Birbiglia fans he basically basically does time until Birbigley gets there. And then because of that, Birbigley walks in and sees him do like 10, 15 minutes at the end or whatever. He then takes Jeff out on tour with him. That's so cool. And it's because oh Jeff was gosh. on there hanging out, just yeah. trying to help support and then got that opportunity. You know, so that is a little bit of like that sort of Cinderella story that we all kind of hope for in comedy. Yeah. Of like famous, nice comedian sees you and then takes you on the road. But it, it does happen, you know. You know, this isn't as good of a story, but Mike Birbiglia and I have the same birthday. That's a pretty good story. Month, day, and year. Ah. Yes. That's pretty we, awesome. It's kind of interesting, yeah. Do I didn't you know also that. have the sleepwalking thing? Is that, no. Okay. I didn't know if there was like everyone born on that year, on that day. <laughs> what no. about the hour and minute? Do you know that yet? Uh, somewhere in the afternoon. Okay. I'm not sure. Uh, that's a longer story about my illegal alien mother who, okay. who didn't uh, couldn't go to the doctor because she didn't have insurance. She wasn't right. a documented right. person. Um, and so she didn't probably go to the doctor until she actually had me. Right. Um, and look how I turned out. You're great. Yeah. <laughs> You're fully formed? Yeah, like mostly, yeah. yeah. You got all your toes? <laughs> yeah. Oh, and you got, you got a pedicure on those, too. Damn, girl. <laughs> well, you know, you've got a... I don't know. That was weird. Um, well, okay. Well, I want to eat these wings, but first, do you like wings? Do you eat them in your real life? <laughs> in my real life? No, I only do them for podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Uh, I, I do like wings. I will say that I don't get wings a lot because I, and again, this is an audio podcast, so they don't know this. I have a pretty substantial beard, and so wings are a little messy for a guy with a beard. So there's going to be a lot of wet napping going on, but yeah. I, I liked you enough from just our brief interactions. I was like, I'm okay being messy in front of Thank you. Thank you. Like, I'm we not going to be that self-conscious. We talk about that a lot. It's like, it's a hard food to eat in front of people, yeah. and it's like corn on the cob. Like, you just don't want to, but if you like people and you like, oh, I trust you, I'll be vulnerable. Why is corn on the cob hard? It's just like, I guess you can get butter. Yeah, I guess you can get butter all over your cheeks and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So, but it's it's kind of maybe it's a trust thing. We're like, hey, I'll eat wings. It's cool. Yeah. Um, Do you prefer the drummy or the flat? Well, see, I'm now learning about this terminology from you. So, I'm assuming a drummy is a drumstick. Yes. And a flat is the wing. Yeah. Do you have a preference? I know it's I know it's pretty basic of me, but I'm gonna go with drumstick. I think drumsticks are my favorite. Why? 
I just feel like because they're the easiest There's to eat. There's no wrong I feel answer. Like, I feel like a real wing connoisseur is like, yeah, amateur. <laughs> yeah, you like that drumstick, don't you? Because you don't know what you're doing. I think as long as you don't order boneless, you're fine. Okay. Like, people have been like, can I get boneless? I'm like, no, that's a chicken nugget. Yeah. Um, no, the drum is good. It's like a nice handle. Uh-huh. I mean, it's 50, 50. Oh, there's a bird in here. There is a bird in here. There's multiple birds. It's like, oh, I hope they don't get offended. <laughs> No, you know, like, I don't know if you can tell by these tiny little birds that are in here. They're, those are not chickens. Uh, I think they're probably fine. I went to public school. Okay, okay. I don't know. <laughs> like, that's my mom. No, um, it's 50-50. People like the drum because of the handle, and there's, like, a lot more meat, less work. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I don't like the little tendony kind of things sometimes. Yeah. But do, you, well, do you like ranch or blue cheese or, or any sauce? I, I Probably blue cheese would be my go-to. Yeah. But I also like blue cheese in general. I like a, I like a, I like a nice uh, burger with some blue cheese on it. A what? A, bur- a, burger, a burger with blue cheese on it. Like, or um, salad, a little blue yeah. cheese. Yeah. Well, iceberg wedge salad, that's one of my faves. I, I'm not a wedge guy. Ugh. It's okay. I don't, are we done now? You you're, you guys so deflated I when I said this, that. I this blue cheese kick. I'm like, if you like blue cheese, you maybe no, no, a wedge salad. I just like it on, I just don't like the wedge. I don't know. Yeah, like I shouldn't have to do all the shredding myself. That's true. That's, like, I don't like that. One time somebody grilled the wedge. Ooh, and then I'm kind of getting bored. Yeah. Let's grill some lettuce. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, do you eat the veggies that come with it, like carrots or celery? Oh, uh, maybe one of them. I'll have one. They, put in, they put in the effort. They put in the effort of julianning these things. I'll eat one. I want you to be able to eat these while they're still warm. But do you clean your wing, or do you just kind of like eat the good parts and you're out? Um, I think it depends on how hungry I am. Maybe. Yeah. Am I on a deserted island? Have I been shipwrecked? Then I'm cleaning that wing. Yeah, yeah. that's for sure. Um, I don't know. I probably get. I get in there pretty good. I feel oh, like. Good. Yeah. We're I also have. I have out. weird teeth. So I don't. Uh, this is good. Uh, this is how much I trust you. And I. So, uh, like, I I have a lot of gaps in my teeth because we grew up very poor and I didn't have braces or anything. But not only that, check this out. I have two baby teeth. (gasps) Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. That's crazy. And they just never came out. They've never come out and they've never gotten loose. There's no adult teeth that ever came out. You know what? I feel you on that because I... I mean, I didn't know we were poor, but I guess we were. You yeah, know, no one ish. does. No one does at the time because it's your normal existence, yeah. you know. And uh, so, I mean, I went to the dentist like once when I had a cavity or something. But um, I had a baby tooth, and I think it was one of these when I was like 16 came out, and then it was always, and then it had to be up to me, and I was like, oh shit, I, I gotta do, I gotta get Invisalign now because my parents didn't do it, but it's fine. Do you, um, I don't want to make this into a commercial for Invisalign, but did you, you liked it and it worked and everything yeah, was good? Yeah, I did. I. Uh, Mine was like a nine-month track, and for my dentist, it was more about getting my bite aligned. For me, it was cosmetic because I wanted it really complete, you know? So for me, I wanted to push like this tooth out. It's still not fully out there, but it was good. Uh, You know, I have dental insurance now, so I'm like, "Eh, good dentist. I I have... There's only been a few periods in my life that I've ever had insurance. Like, we didn't have it as a kid. That's how poor right. we were and everything. And uh, and I've always kind of stayed in the arts for the most part as an adult and everything. Um, I'm at this weird age now where I'm 46. I'm like, do I get my teeth fixed? I mean, or do I just go with it? It's so like, it's a personal decision. Yeah. Now, I think that um, teeth and, like, noses... Mm-hmm. Sometimes like it's a lot of character. It kind of makes you who you are. Like yeah. somebody, I love people with like a big crooked nose. I think it's like so much character. Mm. Uh, and then when like Jennifer Gray, she got hers fit. The yeah, girl yeah, from yeah, Dirty yeah, Dancing. Yeah. She doesn't look like herself anymore. You know what? I think that's the one example everyone always uses on the yeah. nose thing. Yeah. Everyone's everyone's talking about that. <laughs> 
So it's just a personal thing, but I did see or recently Karen Kilgariff, my favorite podcaster. Yes, yeah. She got, um, I think she got veneers or new teeth. Yeah. And I, I think to her it was like a, a big deal now that she could afford that, and she's always right. wanted like sparkly white teeth. And um, so it's just a personal thing. Yeah. I mean, I, I try to keep mine clean, and I brush them, and I try yeah. to keep them not yellow and disgusting. <laughs> And I go to the, I go to the dentist now as an adult. That's how I actually pick a dentist. If, if like when I've had to change dentists or when I moved or whatever, if I go see a new dentist and the first thing they talk about is yanking my baby teeth and putting in some fakes, I go to a different dentist because I don't want one who's going to kind of try to pressure me into like this sort of standardized beauty kind of thing. I know this seems yeah, really dumb, no, but, it, yeah. you know, but if a dentist is like, oh, cool, baby teeth, they give you any problems? I'm like, no. They're like, cool, we'll, we'll leave them unless you don't want them. That's the dentist I want, you know? You know how I pick a dentist? How? I act how like hot I'm they are? really scared. I'm like, I don't know, I'm just really nervous about it. Like, and they're like, no, and if they're really kind and like, no, we have nitrous and Yeah, how many this. drugs they have is how you pick it. And I've never had nitrous at a dentist, but like, I, I act, and I've had the, the one back I had up, now for a long back time. Back up, where have you had nitrous? In, <laughs> like in at, high school. At, at a dentist was included in, in at the end of that sentence. No, just, just in my friend's brother's garage Oh, yeah, that's a good place to do it, yeah. <laughs> that was the last my time. My voice is so low. Oh. Um, to go to one under dentist. That, that's been a good referral. Like okay. I, I pretend like I'm really scared and I'm really nervous, uh, and I kind of am. Uh, and then they'll find you somebody who's good with like patient okay. care or whatever. The other secret is if you can, I can't believe we're talking about dentists so that's much. That's fine. Um, it's a podcast, right? We're supposed to get. It. And also, what's more important to the wing eating experience you than your teeth. teeth? You need those, those teeth. Those baby teeth might be really good for getting in with those They're not. Wings. They're not. Trust me. I, I've had it for a long time. I think that's fascinating because when you lost your teeth, as, you know, baby teeth like. That's, those are like, um, like markers or whatever yeah. my youth. You know, I'm thinking about when I lost teeth and like mm. it's just we don't have a lot of stuff that we had when we were five. Yeah, that's true. So I, I have like one shirt I had in 1999, and then I wore to the Jewel concert, Holy, and you, I was wait, like, wait, were you five in 1999? I, I turned 21 in 1999. Okay, that's yeah. okay. All right. I'm the same age as Mike Birbiglia. Oh right, right, right. I was, uh, I was trying to poke holes in your story there for a second. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> But yeah, I don't have anything from being that old. So yeah. Well, let's dig into these wings, okay. and we'll. I'm gonna hit pause to spare sure. everybody the sound of lip smacking, and then uh, we'll be right back. Hold right. on. Those are some good wings. <laughs> <laughs> have you ever come back into the break like those wings were terrible? Um, no. No. I mean, I like most of the wings, but we do have like strong opinions you sometimes. Have strong opinions. Wait, we talk a lot of shit about Buffalo Wild Wings. with strong opinions. <laughs> Somebody's not going to get SNL when this podcast surfaces. <laughs> like, you should have heard what she said about Chipotle sauce. <laughs> no. Oh, my gosh. It's all a record, right? Like, yeah. that's, I was reading the story today. Yeah. Uh, we just, I just met Shane Gillis. He opened a house of comedy, and one of my good friends opened for him, and we were so excited. So I hope that works out. I don't know what to think, but... Um, what did you think about the wings, Matt? Uh, I thought the wings were very, very good. I think this was a, a good pick. And obviously, you had done some research, and this was like one of two places that people were like, oh, that's the joint. That's where you should go. Um, and I really liked it a lot. Now, I know I, I made that Chipotle uh, sort of reference because we were talking about that off mic, about how you don't, you're not always into a smoky flavor. Yeah. 
but I enjoyed it quite a bit. I think okay. what I like about the wings is like a lot of a lot of meat on them, good size wings, right? They um, are big. And the last place I was at, they were like a bigger wing yeah. also. Um, and then also, I, it's it's a wet sauce wing, but not overly wet. True. Like it's it's almost like a glazy kind of wet sauce. Yeah, that's um, a good place to be. Yeah, that's a good that's a good middle ground to be with it. So I, I'm a fan. I think these are delicious. Did you dip? I did dip. So when you dipped, I dipped. You dipped. <laughs> you know what? I noticed. I think it's because of the sauce. The sauce didn't end up in the ranch because it wasn't super it's, wet. Yes, exactly. It's not a liquid sauce. Yeah, you, it's hard to tell that we've dipped that much into this into this ranch yeah, dressing. The ranch was good. The ranch was good. Yeah. It was like. <laughs> now, should we talk about how off mic you were talking about? Really, it's not about the wings. It's about the ranch and the blue cheese for you. So. Well, I think I think you need to live your truth and rename this podcast Blue Cheese with Friends. Thank you, the cheese, the... the <laughs> oh, my God, now you're getting, like, really... No, that's what so, oh, David said that. He goes, I love a stinky cheese. You know, he's like, any time I go somewhere, I'm like, Get, who looks for a cheese shop? Uh, oh, I love a good cheese shop. I, I, I can't remember the name of it. There's a cheese shop in Tacoma, Washington. It was one of my favorite places to visit. I don't know if I've ever been to a cheese shop. Oh, they're, they're few and far between because I think it's a hard business model <laughs> to keep afloat these days. But a little cheese shop, and they know everything, and you talk to the person, yeah. you know, it's like it's small and sentiment. They make a little plate for you. Oh, it's the best. This one episode of Sex and City where, like, the girl behind the counter was like, try this one. It's made by Franciscan monks. And, like, there's like, mm. and anyway, you probably didn't see it. Um, <laughs> oh, I have been to Wisconsin, and their cheese is really good. Yeah, I don't know if you knew this. They're kind of known for it. Yeah. I went there for, like, a, a meeting or something, and, like, they like to drink their beer. Yes, they do. And they like their cheese and yep. their dairy. Yep. So it was fun. It is a good place. Did you have uh, cheese curds? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Now, oh, did yeah. you, where in Wisconsin were you? I was in Green Bay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But, like, at the convention center, I didn't do right. too much outside. I was trying to ask about my uh, making you a murderer, but nobody wanted to talk nobody, about yeah, it. Yeah, they, they're over that, I think. That's their claim to fame. Yeah. Um, nice people, though. Yours what? Nice people? Yeah. yeah. I do like Wisconsin a lot. There's a lot of, a lot of good comedy in Wisconsin, too. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Because I, I live in Indiana, which is relatively close. Oh, yeah. And so I, I go up to Wisconsin quite a bit to do comedy. There's One of the best comedy clubs in the world is in uh, Madison, Wisconsin. Oh, Comedy nice. Club on State is one of the best clubs ever. Oh, very cool. See, look at all the stuff I didn't know. Yeah. I was there for a work meeting, so I was kind of, like, stuck, so I didn't do, I didn't research too much out of there. But uh, if you ever have to go back up there again, there's a fantastic comedian who just moved back home to the Green Bay area named Kristen Liddy. Kristen met her yeah. at Oak City. She's amazing. She is great. Yeah. yeah. Um, and she does really good work, too. I love following yes, her. Yes, she's a union organizer. Yeah. And, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Good See, that's what I'm loving about this is we're all connected. Yeah, it's a and small And it's world. getting smaller and smaller. Yeah. Well, like, now I'm now I'm meeting people. It's like, oh, now I know that person. Well, you know, that's the thing of doing doing festivals. And we and this was talked about a little bit on the panel, the industry panel yesterday by David Rodriguez. Like, one of the, the main benefits of going and doing a festival is meeting comics from all around the country. And you do have those connections, you know. And, and then there are people like Kristen Liddy who everyone who meets her loves her, you know. Yeah. And so it just sort of strengthens that, oh, yeah, cool, we're all on the same team kind of thing. Yeah. You know? um, I like that panel yesterday. I got some good info from it. I'm actually hosting the same panel in, at Big Pine next week. Um, so I'm going to steal a lot of the questions. Jeff might recognize them, but yeah. I'm going to. That's okay. <laughs> but um, I liked the advice. I don't know if it was you. I can't remember who gave it about record. A, we're talking about a set, like a recording. 
record, get up as much as you can for a month, record all of it, and then submit your best one. Right, and do that every that, six months. That wasn't even, and it was Greg, Greg Warren taught me that. It's like when you're trying to capture a specific five-minute set, uh, whether that be for festivals or something else that you're submitting for, once you have it kind of figured out this is the five minutes, you, you record as many times as you can and then forget about it for six months. Because in that reference, it was talking about trying to get a late-night TV spot, and you don't want to constantly chase that because that will cramp your style in other ways, you know? Nice. That I think that's going to be one of those actionable items that I'm going to take and oh, implement. I'm glad I could do something yeah, of use then. But I'm going to find a camera. Like, I saw, um, I opened for Nick Guerra um, a couple weeks ago, and I noticed every set he recorded, yeah. he was, and I would help him and go grab it for him or whatever. And then, like, in the last two weeks... I saw clips from that yeah. show. He's posting them, and I was like... Like a joke at a time. Yeah. yeah. That's a big thing that's happening now, too, that there's there's a big push now to constantly create content, and if you're not good at doing, like, funny characters for the internet or, like, some kind of wacky thing, um, an easy thing to do is just to drop one joke up there at a time, because also now that they have the software where it can uh, it can put the subtitles, basically, yeah. uh, or the closed captioning, I, I should say. I wonder how that happened. Um... Well, it's an auto-function on YouTube. Oh, I thought you had to type it. No. <laughs> the auto-function sometimes gets wrong, but you have the ability to go in and correct what it gets wrong. Nice. But, yeah, so I think that's changed the game for a lot of people. Um, I, I was taping every single one of my sets for a while, and I cannot remember now why. I think I just needed a new submission tape. I didn't have a new, or like, a relatively recent submission tape. So I taped basically about 25 shows in a row. Uh, and then kind of was, then the, the work is going through them all, and yeah. that is painful. Right, <laughs> and I, I'm going to commit to that, I think. And yeah. I'm not good with technology, but I figure if I can figure out my little recording device yeah. here, like, I can I can do it. Well, I can, can do, do it. it. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to do that, and I'm going to tell other people to do that, too, and they're not going to do it. That's um, <laughs> how people are. I like that. Um, what else should I know? Let's see. My brain went blank. That's that okay. guy, the guy behind you, his shirt's open really low. It's, what? What? The guy behind you, his shirt is open like really low. Oh, uh, yeah. And he looks like he's 12. Yeah. And, um, uh -huh. it just, it's just so like, no, it's just kind of confused feelings? No. <laughs> yeah, like I'm kind of like. <laughs> um, is that who you went and gave the magnet to? <laughs> give the what? Gave the magnet to? Should I say, we no. should say during the break, you were like, hold on, those guys just looked at me. I'm going to go give them a magnet. Okay. So, yes, I did do that. But they were, like, really friendly, nice gays, like like Santa Fe gays, which I love. Like, they're so nice to me. I'm so nice to them. And, like, if somebody looks at me and smiles, it's like, I'm going to go talk to you. Did you, did, you say, did you say they're the really nice Santa Fe gays? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, wait, can we just shorten that to Santa gays? Can we just Santa gays? Yeah. Santa gays. Yeah. Which technically would be Saint gays Saint in Spanish. Which so means they're, san they're sanctified. So, I which I think I like they, they smiled at me because they like my shirt. Oh, yes, right. Um, a lot of people over yeah. 30, like, the, the shirt yeah. says, oh, my God, Becky. Right, which is, of course, referencing Sir Mix-a-Lot. Sir Mix-a-Lot. Yeah. I, I talked about this in the last you recording. You know, a lot of people don't know he was actually knighted by the Queen of England. That's how he got the Sir. He was just Mix-a-Lot. He was just Mix-a-Lot, and then he, he got knighted. <laughs> She's like, she's like, it was basically for my posse's on Broadway, and then they were like, they were like, you know, this is a fine artistic work, and even though you're not a British citizen, we would like to knight you, Mr. Mix-a-Lot. And after that, he was Sir Mix-a-Lot. Thank you for that little bit of wisdom. That's amazing. I didn't know that. I was listening to this song the other day, and I was singing it, and it was loud. I hadn't heard it in a while, and I kind of started crying because we're in this kind of like nice movement about like love yourself, feeling good, or all that and stuff, and and. We were just talking about the Lizzo's performance at the at the VMAs, 
and I was listening to a song and I'm, I'm, I'm singing it and it just took me back to like seventh grade and it's like thank you for being that one thing that kind of made it okay to be like to have a big butt in like the seventh grade <laughs> they called me Mary Butt Church um, it was hard so but then and then also I think I'm having like a midlife crisis a little bit with like oh I'm older now you know like yeah. oh I'm not you know it's like oh, uh, so the shirt yeah <laughs> Hey, I met three nice people. You mean so. three nice? Yeah. Maybe they'll follow me on Instagram. Maybe they will. What do you think about merch? Should people have merch? I think it's a necessity. I, I oh, loved yeah. Maria Manfred's line about it in her show last night. Yeah, she was say. Like, Why don't you fucking make some merch? <laughs> <laughs> She's such a genius. Uh, she really is. Uh, and the idea of just writing the word comedy on a piece of scotch tape and sticking it to your sock is merch. Put that on your sock. <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, that's I, so good. I have merch because it's a sort of a financial, um, you know, if you're a touring feature level comedian, which is like the majority of what I do, um, you know, or if I'm closing it out, I'm not getting paid a ton of money to close out shows. Merch makes all the difference. You can actually come home in the black instead of just breaking even on road trips and stuff yeah. like that. Um, I have a t-shirt. It's my second. I, I, I didn't love my first t-shirt. It, it, it was okay. Um, and I sold enough of them, but I didn't lo I love it. My new T-shirt I like a lot better. It ties in pretty well with the new album. It looks cool. It just kind of looks like it could be a band shirt yeah. also. Um, I like it when it's a shirt you'd want to wear. Right. That's the big part. It's like Not on a hands beefy tee. Yeah. Oh, you got to spend the money on the nice, like, yeah. not American Apparel because they're rapists, but, like, the, th the knockoff almost like American Apparel. Uh, Bella Canvas. And somebody oh, gave yeah, you yeah, the yeah, tip. Yeah, I think that's who I have. So I just got my first shirt. I have one for you if you want okay, it. Okay, sure. Does um, it say, oh, my God, Becky on it? Uh, I wish. I wish I came. <laughs> That. No, it's this Phoenix Funny, which is kind of my brand I'm kind of working on. Sure. And it's connected to a joke, but um, uh, I saw Costco. you do that joke. It's a great oh, joke. Did. It's Thank the difference you. between L.A. Funny and Phoenix Funny. Thank you. Yeah, you did it on your hosting site on Thursday night. It's good. Thanks so much. Yeah, this girl said that to me uh, at a festival. Yeah. She wasn't even on the festival. And that was weird. Uh, yeah. But, uh, what you know, was I her name? <laughs> well, then she'll become the victim, and I don't want that. I want to stay in the, uh, you know. Okay, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> People have asked me, and I'm like, no. Um... But, oh, Costco. I got them at Costco, and they're really soft, and they're really, like, that unisex. Wait, wait, wait. So you, did you screen print them yourselves? No. Like, Costco. So I got them for, like, 7 bucks a piece, which I had been seeing for 14 everywhere right, else. Right, And somebody said, like, go through Costco. No, Costco partners with the uh, company. I didn't know that. Um, so I, I, use, I use a local uh, screen printer guy. Oh, yeah. And because he's, he, he'll give you a break. So if you're a local, like, musician or artist, he gives you a pretty good price break. That's good. Yeah. Yeah, and the nice thing about him, his name's Jared Eisenberger, and he is, uh, his thing is called In Case of Emergency Press. They're dope, and oh, they cool. do a bunch of work for a lot of cool indie bands, like national-level indie bands, too. But if you're a local, he's, he's really, really good about pricing and turnaround and delivery. He's, he's awesome. So, so I think, I think finding local, that sort of partnership. Yeah, exactly. Oh. I mean, I, I mean if, you're, if you're not a local and you want really well-made stuff, he's yeah. definitely great. But, um, but that's how I found my sort of like cheap way to yeah, make them. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Um, this is like my first go at it. Um, I, I made stickers. I made stickers and uh, magnets because I want something to hand to people, like a business right. card, yeah. sort of. So I'm kind of doing that. I got koozies this year. I, I've sold them a couple times, which is nice, like for whatever people want to pay. And then I've also, give, I'd like to give them yeah, away, yeah. too. Well, so. the price point on a koozie is so low, you can just give them away. Uh, I think koozies are maybe the smartest merch for comics because they're super cheap to make. Uh, they're light and easy to transport, like if you have to fly to gigs and stuff like that. And it's also like, I, I know a lot of people, they just like the koozies, like, 
you know, three dollars or two for five or something like that. Yeah. And people often will just throw down a five and just take yeah. one or whatever. It's like it's such a it's you know twenty dollars for a shirt. Someone has to really really like it, like what you yeah. did and like the shirt and stuff. Um, but a koozie, there's a lot more like oh, I'll give you some money, you know, like right. that's, that sort of thing. And and because pe- people want if they like you, they want to give you they money. Wanna, yeah, and exactly. It makes it easy for them to give you money. Exactly. And less creepy than a tip. Yes. Yeah. Uh, also, it is a little weird. I have been just straight up tip before, which is fine if it happens. That is you know. Neat. Um, but because I'm a sober comic and I talk about it on stage, okay. so I've never been able to figure out a sober cozy koozie I could make. Well, everybody loves Lacroix now. Oh yeah. Yeah, that's what and that's what I do. Like, um, is your koozie like a Lacroix takeoff? No. Okay. Well, it's a can. I mean, it's a standard koozie. Yeah, right? but I mean, like, what it says oh, on the koozie, oh, like the theme cool. of it. No, because it's just my Phoenix funny. Oh, okay, so it's the same thing. Okay. But when people say like. Like, yeah. oh, I don't drink. And I'm like, well, what about your LaCroix, yeah. you know, or your Diet Coke or yeah, your yeah. whatever. So yeah. that's cool. Um, so that's, I think that's really interesting and cool. Is it, is sobriety a big part of your comedy, um, a part of, the, like, the work that you do? Or tell me more about that. Uh, I mean, I talk about it on stage as I am currently moving towards writing my third hour. Like, I have two albums out. And the third hour is a little bit, as it's, it's shaping up, it's just pretty raw still. But it's about a little bit more about my sobriety stuff and a little bit more about therapy and all that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, I don't know if I do a lot of work in sobriety. I mean, I have performed at, like, uh, sober houses and stuff like that oh. as fundraisers and things like that. Um, and then I kind of go a little bit deeper into it. But, yeah, I'm just trying to talk about my own human experience and where I am right now in my life and make it funny, you know. Yeah. Same thing with, like, my, my lefty po- politics. Like, punchline has to come first, you know. Yeah. Um, it, pe- people just get up and be like, there's so much of just, like, fuck Trump, clap, 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 clap. Like, that's not a joke. That's a statement. Yeah. You know, like, this is a comedy show. You should at least have some sort of clever turn right. on it, you know. And so I try to always kind of think that. And the same thing with my, my sobriety stuff. Like, particularly when I'm at a comedy club and everybody's drinking, like, they don't want to get bummed out. You know, right. and they don't want to also feel, like, persecuted either. But I have had people come up to me and congratulate me, and they'll tell me how long they've been in the program and stuff like that. So yeah. it's, I think it's also sort of, you know, sort of trying to normalize it in the same way that, you know, Maria has done with uh, mental health issues. Right. You know. I, I think it's so important, and I think people need to hear that in things like comedy clubs and music yeah. and whatever, so it's normal, yeah. you know? And um, I, I do appreciate that. And it's, I, it's planting seeds yeah. of, like, compassion and understanding, and, and it's the same thing, like, when, uh, uh, you know, like, uh, there's that famous uh, Oscar Wilde quote, you can tell people the truth, but you better do it as a joke or they'll kill you, <laughs> right? Yeah. And so... Uh, Someone just told me a story about this comic. Maybe it was like more like an 80s road dog comic. And it was like a big, beefy dude from Texas, right? And like a big Texas guy. And uh, the first 35, 40 minutes of his act would just be, uh, or maybe 30 minutes of his act, it's just like standard road comic stuff. He's talking about drinking and all this kind of thing. And then he slowly reveals that he's gay, right? He's like a bear, which mm-hmm. at that point, not a lot of people knew about bears, right? Like there was a subculture. And but he had won them over all these like rednecks. He'd won them over, and they liked him so much that then they went with him on a bunch of gay shit. Like end of his That's end great. of his set was like 15 minutes of jokes about being gay, and uh, and he would constantly have people. I wish I could remember his name. It's t- told to me by my f- 
uh, Fred Stewart Huff was telling me the story, and because we were discussing this idea that you can, once you build a trust with an audience, yep. you can then lead them to your viewpoint a little bit. But again, the whole time, you can't just then turn it, flip it into a TED talk. Yeah. You know, it's still got to be through jokes. But you just kind of help open people's and now eyes it's up like a little bit. I'm your friends, and yeah, you're not exactly. going to be bigoted well, you, you, and racist yeah, to your seen, friends. You've seen. Well, I have a, I have a joke about uh, being like on the Kinsey scale. Like I'm, I'm not full on bisexual, but I'm definitely in the the gray area, okay. right? If I do that in like some redneck bullshit place in Kentucky or whatever, if you've liked me for 30 minutes and you've seen me as a human being that you relate to, because I've made jokes about whatever relationships or whatever thing, like, and then I drop this joke then you're less likely to shut down. You're less likely to then, like, and maybe you might be like, okay. Yeah. You know. I like that. That actually makes me think about um, shows like Modern Family yes. and Glee mm-hmm. that really helped bring a middle America along to be like, yeah. oh, I love those people. Yeah, the fact that they're just, like, I think, I think Glee did a great job of it, but also Modern Family, man, the gay couple on Modern Family, they, the way that they did that is just so beautiful because they also went through all the steps. Yeah. Yes, thank you so much. I'll take our check, though, whenever you get a chance. Um, they, they really, because, you know, you see Cam and uh, his partner's name, I can't Mitchell. remember. Mitchell, thank you. Um, you, see, you just see them as part of the family, and you also get to the, see them not just like, Oh yeah, they just they just happen to be gay. We see them going to gay clubs and we see them doing gay shit, you know, yeah. like uh, and so I think that's all beautiful, you know. It's yeah. just it's it's I like also having the um, Al Bundy character, which will forever be his name. Yeah, um, thank you. You know, kind of be that person that's uncomfortable. You know, like he's right. representing that for other people to be like, oh, but well. But you see his character arc of how he comes to understand and become more open to these things. Yeah. yeah. That's, um, I think that's really powerful. And that kind of makes me feel like, yeah, like comics do really important work. Yeah. But I mean, it's, it's all but in the same But in the same hand, that's why, like, the Shane Gillis thing is, like, I think important because, like, you can't just write things off of, like, I'm just, a, I was just joking. The excuse, like, I'm a comic who pushes boundaries, like, first of all, that's not a bound, that's not a groundbreaking boundary. Right. That's old school racism that's been around since Chinese people first came to this country. Yeah. You know, and... I, I, I do really strongly believe that comics are responsible for the things that we say on stage. And you see someone's soul come through their act most of the time, you know? Yeah. And so... Like, I, don't, I know that you, you just, your friend just opened for him, and a lot of people no, are no. conflicted about this thing, but not ever having met him or seen anything when I then, like, because I was also like, okay, maybe people are people are overreacting, and then I went and saw what he said, I'm like, nope, fuck that dude. Because it wasn't coming from, it wasn't a clever joke, it no, wasn't no. humorous, it was just mean. It's just mean spirit of, you know, like, uh, homophobia and yeah. racism, and yeah. it's part of this, like, edgy, like, it's it's no different. It's it's absolutely no different than a MAGA hat. It's one hundred percent the same I think, thing. Oh gosh, yeah. I have a koozie that's red, and I'm like, this is too close to the red on a MAGA. I tried to make a joke one time. It's like, you know, because people are doing those ironic ones, like Make America Gay, yeah. and I was like, I don't care if I see your red hat and white letters. I'm not reading it long enough to know that you're doing an ironic take. Like, I'm not gonna go up to somebody like a, a Nazi outfit and be like, oh wait, your swastika is tilted. Oh, I get it. <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, yeah, they, it definitely invokes, like, this feeling. Um, yeah. I've enjoyed being in Santa Fe because people are, are pretty woke here. I saw some really great bumper stickers. Yeah, yeah. I saw, like, Mexicans for Hillary, and then I saw um, Obamanos. 
Oh, Which means nice. let's go. Yeah, yeah. We're like, I was like, oh, that's great. And then um, in Muller We Trust, which is one of my favorites. Um, I was a big fan of the uh, Muller She Wrote podcast, which is done by some comedians I in San Diego. I never heard of that, but that's an amazing title for a podcast. They are so good. And it's um, Allison Gill is the, um, or AG, she goes by that because she works for the government. But um, her and two other comics, they're all women, and they... Um, and I started two years ago when I was like, please help me make sense of what's going on. You know, stuff's mm. heating up. And I really got into it. But they're starting to blow up. They're, they're doing tours. And That's cool. they've been on the news. And so it's about yeah. time for me to stop listening, too. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but it was, it helps. I mean, they're doing good work because you're like, I don't understand this. So. Yeah. Um, and that's where I got the fantasy indictment league joke from, which wasn't really a joke, but people really laughed. Yeah. So I was well, like, it's I'll good keep because it. it's, it's cl- doing great comedy, and the fact that you're you're combining two completely uh, juxtaposing things or things that don't normally go together, like that's the beauty of comedy. When you can take something like fantasy football, which seems so passive and just so mainstream, and then you combine it into this political idea. Like, that's beautiful comedy. Yeah. You know, it's like, it's because it's not an obvious track right. that a lot of people would take. Like, going back to the Trump thing, you know, like, everybody had jokes about, oh, he's orange and his hair or whatever. That's, like, the laziest, most obvious things. If you have a Trump joke that's unique and has a different tact or something like that, then there's, it's still worth doing and it's still worth yeah. kind of keeping the fight alive. I love, alive. Um, I don't know about you, but I love, like, uh, Seth Meyers and Stephen Colbert, two yeah, of my yeah, favorites. Yeah. And I, like, I watch their monologues yeah. over the first half hour John every Oliver night. Too. Oh, yeah. John Oliver, I think, is better at it, but also it's a cheating thing because he gets an entire he week. Gets a week yeah. He gets a week to really hone in and, and also he gets to do those much longer informed pieces. Um, but no, like that's that all that stuff is important, I think, for sure. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Oh, I'm so excited. I have that uh, comedy festival like like this is you know this is why you do this and I feel good um, like just getting the most out of it. You yeah. know what I mean? So it's been really nice talking to you. I it's don't want to take up too much more it's of your fine. time. No, it's um, been lovely. I'm trying to think. What did I? I want to refer. I do want to go on the record recommending these wings, at uh, uh, what's Del Charo. Del Charo, the 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 house Chipotle wings. I'm this is this is probably the best food I've had since I've been here. Oh dang! I had like a breakfast burrito with green chilies at like a local legit place. It was fine. Okay. I think also I just I'm not a huge fan of green chili. I mean it's fine. It's big deal. It's here. okay. It's it's have just you a very. I have had some of these. That I really like to have when I come to New Mexico. Okay. You know what I ate yesterday or the what? day before? I can't remember. What? It's really... Wings? <laughs> no. I uh, I stopped at a local place called uh, Long John Silver's. Uh-huh. Yep. You just got the little, the little paper tray full of crisps. <laughs> yeah. I was thinking about that because you can order the crisps. In San Diego... I'm from San Diego, but in Arizona also, you can't really find the Long John Silver's. A lot of them are closed down. Mm-hmm. So I saw one and I was like... <gasps> LJS, I gotta eat there. I like to use the lingo. I, I call it LJS. They have. Have you been to one? Yeah, a long time ago. Yeah. <laughs> I, what I love about them, they have this bell on your way out. Oh, yeah, it yeah, says, yeah. "If we did well, yeah, you ring, the bell. ring the bell." You're also such a positive person, though. I think you probably ring it on the way and like, I know you guys are gonna do great. <laughs> I no, don't mess with my food. I'm like, no, I'll be really picky. Thanks. I'm glad I've tricked you into thinking I'm really nice and, uh, and real positive. So it um, all is an act. Finally, the truth comes out. Like minute, whatever. 37. Minute yeah, and all the facade crumbles. Have you ever seen the movie Election with uh, Reese Witherspoon? Yes, it's a great movie. It's one of my favorites. I really identify with that character. Okay, so you like, do you like really dark comedies like that? I think so, yeah. Did you see Young Adult? Which yes. Really show, that movie blew my socks off, man. You God, it's so bothered good. me, though, a little bit. So good. Wait, she, wasn't she going... She was going after her high school sweetheart yes. who was married. Yes. I just she felt was like, like a horribly unredeemable character. 
and the fact that uh, spoilers stop the podcast if you don't know how it is the fact that she does not get better or redeemable at the end she just goes back to her life to continue to be ho- being a horrible person That's she learns nothing time she learns nothing oh and Patton is so good in that movie Patton Oswalt is so good in that movie um, um I remember, I still think about this from that movie, Minneapolis. Oh, you went to Minneapolis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) But that sort of, like, bleak, dark comedy, that's my jam. I like one of, I think it's my all-time favorite movie, um, Drop Dead Gorgeous. Uh Uh-huh. And they just celebrate, like, a 20-year anniversary. Have you seen that? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I like that. That And it's kind of like that mockumentary style. And so many good quotable lines. Yeah. Um, I'm hoping to be on a movie podcast with that movie one day. Oh, that would be a good one, yeah. Yeah, if anybody, you know. (laughs) We're putting out our veils right now. I'm also. Available to do comedy and talk on your podcast about That's anything. Not a bad idea. So on this um, on this podcast, I like to you know interview comics. Do you know I don't just interview comics though? Um, I did not know that. No, and some of the also, best. Also, wait, right, also people who make wings. Do you have you had chefs on? No. Okay. I had one chef kind of do a drop-in when we were yeah. in his restaurant. That yeah. was cool. And the fact uh, that, like, this guy keeps looking at us like, why are you talking to microphones in the middle of my who restaurant? Are these people? I usually ask for permission, okay. but I didn't this time because no, yeah. there was nobody to ask. Um, no, like, people just do really cool work. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I have uh, an episode a couple back. Um, this one girl, she worked for the uh, Anti-Defamation League. Oh, nice. And she's, like, um, an inclusion and diversity specialist. Mm-hmm. Uh, another girl who's, like, a radio person, personality. And then these two guys I work with... This is one of my favorite episodes. Worked with them for years. They are gay black dads who are married to each other, and they have biological children. So talk about Modern yeah, Family. Yeah, yeah, I was yeah. like, and they're hilarious. Yeah. So I was like, I need to get your story, you know. And First it was one of, all, of those tender yeah. but, like, funny Gay Black thing. Dads is a great name for a punk rock band. Gay Black Dads? There's, there was a punk rock band called Young Black Repu- uh, was it Young Black Republicans or something? Or Gay Black Republicans? There was, like, a punk rock band called that, too. I like but it. But Gay Black Dads just rolls gay off the tongue. Gay it black pops. Da- GBD. GBD. <laughs> yeah. You down with GBD? <laughs> They're so great. Oh, I like it. I mean, okay. So so that's what I found, and that's kind of what I wanted with this podcast is not just comedians, but, like, people who are just interesting. Yeah. And I like tender, even sad stories, you know, but because but the, there's a lot of humor in that. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then also some wings in there, too. Tell but me your you heartbreaking eat. sad story over these wings. <laughs> Yeah, like you gotta eat, right? Yeah, it's true. It's better than just hey, come to anyway. Yeah. Oh, anyway, so um, yeah, I forgot. Um, oh, I know what I was gonna say. When I do talk to comics, um, I ask them what do they want, like in the next one to three years, like short term. So I kind of think of it as like a vision board, like because I think when you put it out there, like it, it will happen. Like, what do you want in the next year to three years? What would you like to accomplish or do? Oh, so more personal, I was going to say, or just in general. I was going to say with comedy or with your, with your goals, with, you know, whatever. Uh, I don't know. I'm in a weird place in my comedy where I'm not chasing things as much as I used to. Um, I don't think you would mind me telling this story. But uh, so like a couple of years ago, I was able to start uh, submitting for new faces uh, for JFO. Uh, and then around the same time, I was also kind of given this window to, to submit for Conan and for The Tonight Show. And uh, none of that came through. And Jeff actually, Jeff Singer actually told me, he's like, hey, man, I just, like, I just don't think new faces is going to work. I don't think it's, it's going to happen for you. Um, he said there are other things at JFL that you might be good for, and we'll definitely keep you in mind for that. Um, but he's like, but I think, you know, just to be straight, I, I, you know, a lot of people have a lot of opinions about Jeff because he's this gatekeeper and comics have a lot of, opinions about things, right? 
But I've always found him to be extremely straightforward, and That's I appreciated nice. it so much. When he told me that, it's the best gift he could have given me. Yes. Honestly, well, the best gift would have been new faces, but the second, <laughs> the best, second best would have been like letting me off because I would drive myself crazy every time putting together the set that I think is going to win yeah. them over. Um, and it was like literally like a huge relief. And from that, I then also. Also, Conan's format was changing, so I just stopped. And I, I'm really not the right comic for The Tonight Show. Like, my comedy stylings for are what? not The Tonight Show. Uh -huh. So that was more of just a, a courtesy by Michael Cox, the booker, to let me submit. And he gave me great notes, you know? And he's a very smart, lovely man, and so I appreciated his notes. But we, we both knew there was, like, a very slim chance of me ever getting on The Tonight Show. Yeah. Uh, where Conan, I felt like it was a better fit stylistically and the things that I talk about and stuff. Um, but I also just kind of, like, after the thing was Jeff, after you told me that, I just kind of, um, I decided to not drive myself crazy with the Conan stuff either. And I'll still submit to festivals that I want to go to or whatever. And I, and I, you know, and I get into some, and I, I, I don't get into a lot, and that's just the nature of it, because festivals can only take a small percentage, you know, that happens. And so there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, white dudes with beards in comedy, you know. By the way, I think that's really important for me and and people who listen to this to hear is mm -hmm. like. You, you don't get into some, or yeah. it's not, oh, you know, yeah, yeah. and... It's but so it's also, it's not an indictment on your comedy. There's a lot of very, like, from Limestone, the one that we take, we, we can take less than 10% of the number of submissions we get to the number of spots that we have available, and there's a lot of very good comedians who don't get in. And sometimes it's just, it's just a gut feeling, like this comic over this comic, who works a little bit better for the overall feel of this year's lineup. And then there's a lot of comics that they don't get in for a couple of years, but then they do get in, like, or they get in their second or third year. Some people get it their first year because it's just like they have a great tape and there's exactly what the panel is looking for, their breath of fresh air. But there's a couple of people that take some couple of years because that sort of resilience also pays off. Like I submitted to Laughing Skull three years in a row before I got it, before I got it the fourth year. The third year I was an alternate. And then the fourth year, I got in. Nice. And it's because they do remember you. And if you send new tapes and they see you getting better, they respect also that hustle. So I would say if, if you're submitting to a festival and you don't get in, and it's a good festival that is sort of one of your bucket list sort of things, um, you know, try like try not to have your hurt feelings. To linger have too it long. privately. Yes, exactly. Do yeah. not go on and post. Do not send them a shitty email because they will remember. How dare you? Yeah, yeah. I mean, we've gotten those. Yeah. And it's just like, okay, well, this isn't a good, strong case for you to, to, to get in next year. Um, but, you know, but also, like, you know, I submitted to some festivals a couple years in a row, and I realized, like, oh, I'm probably not ever going to get into that festival, so I did stop, you know. So it's, it's you have to feel it out. Yeah. What feels right for you. But... But yeah, so for the next three years, I would like to get this hour done. And I'm pretty, I'm pretty happy and excited with the material and how it's shaping up. Um, I feel like I'm progressing. I feel like it's better. I feel like my second album is way better than my first album. I feel like this one will be a noticeable step up too. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I think I just want to. My, my goals are more artistically driven, obviously money-wise as well. Yeah. Um, you know, you want to make more money because it is also, you know, I'm 46. It's harder and harder to justify making so little money in my life. My wife is great and she has a real job and that's nice and we have insurance and stuff like that now. But you know, there's also you want to be a good partner, and, yeah. you know. Um, so, but I also like that's why when I'm home I drive Lyft also to yeah. supplement my income. Um, so, yeah, I think it's just to really drill down and become a better comedian and really get this hour figured out. 
and come up with a good koozie. That's that's my other and one. What? Come up with a good koozie. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Well, I want all of those things for you. Like, what Poof, do you want? It's gonna happen. What do what I do you want? want? Yeah. Oh my gosh. I want to get a new video or a tape. Uh, because I think I've saturated the one I have yeah, now. Yeah. I, I think if people see it twice, then right. you know, they're like, look. oh, we said no already to you. Yeah. So I want a new video. Um, I want to work into being a solid feature, like a real confident solid feature, which I, I'm starting to do that. Um, and I want to start... Uh, leveraging and, and following up with people I've met all year at festivals to be like, hey, I'm going to be in town, uh, you know, like, can I get on your show or whatever? So, and then also get, maybe try on more club work. Right. And then I think in 2020, I'm going to, I want to apply to a whole new set of festivals yeah. or whichever ones I didn't get into. Because 2019 was really good. I'm really happy with it. Yeah. And then I always get scared around this time of year where I'm like, oh no, what can I, you know, and I need to keep, I want to keep writing. And that scares me a little bit, too, sometimes. I'm like, do I have anything else that's Well, funny? I think it's okay to... Uh, I, I, I'm not a person who gets... I don't do the artist way. I don't get up and free write every day. I don't sit down on my computer and try to write every day. Because I found when I tried to do that, it drove me insane. So I have to just trust the process of the organicness that it's going to come to me. And I also go to, I still do like a fair amount of open micing because then I'm like, if I sign up for, I'm like that, this very Midwest work ethic thing. If I sign up for something, I'm going to show up. Yeah. Like I better be deathly ill. Even if it's an open mic. I said I was going to come, close out their mic. I'm going to show up. And then that day I was like, okay, are you really going to just get up there and do the hits? Or are you going to actually try to work on something? So then that day, the pressure makes me look at my notes of joke mm -hmm. ideas, and then we're like, all right, that's something there. Okay, that's clicking. So the, uh, booking myself on that kind of stuff makes me continue to write way more than just getting up like, now it's writing time. So give you a deadline, like It's a, a pressure thing of like, yeah. I don't want to show up and just do the hits, because I always, I always kind of scold my, my local comics in Bloomington. If they're passed by the comedy addict, they're in. They're in. You, you don't have to prove anything at the open mic. Like, he knows. It's an open mic. If you don't do well, the owner's not going to demote you, right? When they get up there and it's like if it's a packed room for the open mic, then they like everybody wants to do well. You're like, right. you know, it's like nope, you, that's not what this is for. That's weekend shows. Weekend shows you show up and do the professional show, you know. So I don't want to be the same thing that I <laughs> that I, I yeah, scold my other comics about, you know. And that's what my I'm, I'm afraid of because I think um, I don't know. I'm going in on one of these wings. I know oh, you. Do. I know we did no. the other ones off mic, but I feel like people I've need to hear this. Okay, yeah, okay. they really but you do. you go ahead and talk while I Please munch in the mic. Please get more in your beard there, too. <laughs> oh, oh, my um, God, is my beard covered? <laughs> um, yeah, I'm afraid of failing in front of my peers because I feel like they don't like me anyway. So, like, it would just be like, no, like... Um, is that legit or is that just the standard insecurity of a comedian? Because we all have that. Probably, maybe. No, and I... I don't know. I'm trying to do more open mics now, too. I started by taking a class mm -hmm. so that I could kind of be ready before, right. you know? And so I kind of skipped some... That was the open mic, you know, um, was taking classes. And um, so now I'm trying to work on new stuff and work on new stuff without taking a class um, and be uh, unafraid to fail, you know? Like, oh, I have a funny idea. Like, I think the only difference between me and, like, a really, like, professional comic is they don't care. If they think something's funny, they're going to do it. Yeah. And if you have confidence, that's true. Is that true? Or I just make that up? No, I think that is true. I think okay. um, a, a certain thing happens after a while of you were just counting on your fingers, and it was adorable. <laughs> Mary is, is filling out the, the credit card slip for buying me wings. Thank you very much for buying me wings. And she had to do a little hand math right there for the tip, and I loved it. I loved it. 
It's adorable. It's so good. And it wasn't even hard numbers. No, it's good. But you're distracted because you're kind of trying to listen to what I'm saying and everything. This is why I can't play blackjack, too, because I'm like, everyone's like, hurry up. And I'm like, hold on. One Mississippi, two Mississippi, three Mississippi. I think of the dice like I'm like, one, two, three, yeah. four, five. If you're playing blackjack with, if you're playing blackjack with dice, uh, you no, are going no, to no. lose your money. No, but when I'm trying to count, it's always in my mind. I'm thinking of the dice. Uh, like six. I'm like, one, two, three, one, two, three. Okay. You know, four, yeah, five, yeah. six. Because I think we had a Yahtzee game when I was a kid. Ah, gotcha. Uh, um, thanks I, for bringing that no. up. <laughs> Um, I think that a thing happens, there's a shift that happens with you in comedy after you do it long enough, um, where you stop thinking, oh, I'm, I have funny jokes, and you start thinking, I'm funny. And you start trusting yourself that your worldview and the way that you approach talking about things is funny. You can make it funny. And so I think that gives you, opens you up to taking more chances. You know, less, it doesn't have to be like a completely like airtight, like, oh my God, this setup and this punchline is perfect. You can kind of go up with a little bit more confidence and like kind of find the funny in it, I guess. To me, that that's like a sort of like, like late discovery that you make in comedy. Yeah. Where you have a little bit more faith in yourself. Do you have an ideal audience? Or do you like, I'll take any audience? I'll take any audience. I mean, it's almost like if I don't my lefty, you know, like uh, material in a super liberal town, it's it's almost it's like it's almost too easy. I, I kind of like to earn it in a way. Like I don't want to like just go up in front of tough audiences, but like I'm, the best comedy audiences, in my opinion, are mixed, right? Different races, different ages, different economic backgrounds, different sort of gender identities, things like that. If you have all those different types of people in the room, and you can do really well for 30 minutes or an hour, or whatever, you know your material is really good. You know you're actually putting your soul out there. You're connecting with them, you know, um, in a way that, like, is universal to an extent, right? Yeah. That's the ideal audience to me. It's like a packed house that is not just one type of person, because that's just super easy. I mean, there's this, you know, every white person wants black people to think they're cool, and so it was a big deal when I was on an all-black show, and I crushed. Like, I did 30 minutes opening for uh, Chris Shaw's CD release show, and it's nice. just nothing but black. And I'm like, oh, okay. This, and at that time, I was pretty much just talking about growing up in a trailer park, right? And like, oh, okay, this is not, you don't have to be poor white trash to get this shit. These jokes are well done, you yeah. know? And so that's a big proving point, you know, at that moment. That is really cool. That's a good answer. And Thank it's like. You. Not the answer I wanted to hear, but it's probably the answer I needed to hear. Why? What, what, did, what did you want to hear? No, I've been thinking lately. Um, I get I get intimidated when uh, I, I've got, like, a younger hipster crowd. Like, I, I feel like I'm not cool. Or even, like, the people... Even when I watch other comics that I really like, like, edgy or young, cool, and I'm like, oh, that's not me. I'll never... But then yeah. I'm telling myself, well, it's fine. Just be you. Yeah. Because there are people who, who identify with that. And there's people who messaged me um, on Instagram, followed me, were like, hey, you're one of my favorites. And I was like... Okay, well, you know what? If I can reach, you know, somebody, yeah. then something's right, and well, just keep going. You just said the, the, the exact same thing, instead of, instead of wanting black people to think you're cool, you want young people to think you're cool, which is true. We all want... But I feel like young people are never going to think I'm cool. But the thing is, like, yeah, I think you don't want them to think you're cool. You want them to laugh, yeah. right? And so... I have the same thing. Like, I live in a college town, and I'm 46 years old, and a lot of times, like, at our open mic, like, this just happened last Wednesday, the audience is almost entirely kids who are 18 to 22. And that was, like, a weird thing for me for a while. Like, if I was trying to talk about being in a second marriage or some, some grown-ass adult shit. Right. And then, like, oh, they, they're going to hate it or whatever. <laughs> and then I just kind of put that on my head. I'm just going to go in and do what I do. And I think that's that's one of those things, too. Like, you, if you can figure out how to make people that maybe don't have that personal uh, 
experience that you're talking about, but if you can write it in a way that they get it, yeah, you know, it's it's basically like a more advanced version of if you did a joke about a movie, you would have to set up real quickly what is the, what quick, quickly explain the movie, or else the people who have never seen the movie will not get the joke, right? Mm -hmm. Like um, I used to do a joke about Missy Elliott. I'm a big hip hop fan. I used to do a joke about Missy Elliott. This one song. And I just set it up like I'm a big fan of 90s hip hop. My favorite artist from that time is Missy Elliott. <clears throat> and then I was like, "Good, how are you? Thank you." And Del Charo, they're so nice. They're very nice. And so then, and then I'll be like, uh, "I was like, she has she has this one song I've heard a million times, and I just I don't really quite understand the lyrics, right?" So I've given you all the information. Even if you've never heard the song or even know who Missy Elliott, I just told you she's a rapper from the 90s. I'm going to talk about the song. Here we go. And then I talk yeah. about the, I do the lyric, and then I have the joke about the lyric, right? So it's the same thing. Like, you don't have to have grown up in a trailer park and be in an interracial marriage to get my jokes, you know? Yeah. It's like, I'm going to just present. And I think a lot of that's also why I keep talking about, like, connecting your soul. I think there's a thing where you push your energy out and connect. And that's, like, that's like another late-level comedy thing, where you're going to force people... <laughs> to connect with you. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, and it's, I don't know how to explain it without sounding like a hippie, but that's basically what it is. You push well, your energy there, into the room. they bought the ticket, you know, it's yeah. like, entertain me, but, yeah, that's really nice. It's, Missy Elliott is like, aging backwards. Oh, no, she looks good. Well, she also had that disease, that weird disease where she was out of commission is for it, a long uh, time. What, what did she have? Was it, uh, Crohn's? I think she has something, I think she has Crohn's and something else. Yeah, um, Okay, well, he had to take it there. I just yeah, said she looked sorry. nice. Sorry, we can edit this part out. But I do really like Miss. I do too. Yeah. I was thinking about what forty-year-old virgin. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> man, it's like all drunk. <laughs> one of my favorite scenes. That is really cool. Thank you for that insight. I'm taking a moment. Okay. To like let it, you sure. know, I like that. I will say that your your fear of other comics not liking you, that's a pretty universal thing. It's pretty what? It's a pretty universal thing, I think, among comics. I always tell myself, though, I'm like, you know what? I'm here for the right. people. I'm right. not here for the comics. We all want the respect of our peers. Yeah. We want to be respected by our peers. But there's a thing, literally, I mean, I've had it at this festival, too, where I did a set, it went well, and if another comic doesn't immediately go, hey, man, good set, I'm like, well, I guess they think I'm a hack. <laughs> 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 like, those thoughts are pretty normal, right. you know? That makes me think of, like, what do I say to... Do I... No. Well, and, and with the whole, like, my peers thing, I'm like, well, I'm going to be nice to them. Yeah. Um, I'm in a position to be like, hey, let me buy you a drink, or hey, you know. And then it's up to you, then, if you are going to still not like me. Right. You know what I mean? Exactly. Like, then after that, I can't do yeah. anything about it. So, but ultimately, I'm there for the public. Yeah, yeah. And they're buying tickets, so it's good. Yeah. It's good. Yeah. This is great. And then next week I'm going to Flagstaff, so I'm having this really concentrated comedy mm -hmm. experience. So I yeah. think I'm going to work my day job like three days next week, which will be fantastic. So It'll be good. Oh, my gosh, Matt. Thank you so much yeah, for being here. Yeah, sorry we went so long. I'm no, sorry. No, it was good. It was like, that was all the good stuff, too. Okay, you yeah. know, like the deep, not the shallow. Yeah. Just kidding. <laughs> Where can people find you? Uh, the easiest thing is just to Google my name, Matt Alano Martin. That's A-L-A-N-O hyphen Martin, M-A-R-T-I-N. That's the easiest way to find really my stuff. Really, one T in your name? Yeah, one T in the first name, yep. Nice. It's a long story. It's dumb. It's fun. <laughs> you couldn't afford the other T? I couldn't. Thank you. Wah, wah. <laughs> we were so poor we had to sell the second T in my name to pay a rent. <laughs> Sorry. No. It's, uh, a, it's a Norwegian thing. It's fine. Oh, okay. Yeah. I believe that. Yeah. 
Nice. Well, um, I really enjoyed my time here at Del Charo in Santa Fe, yes. New Mexico. Yes, lovely. Um, the Cloud Top Comedy Festival is wrapping up. Yep, also lovely. Yeah. So thanks for being here, you guys. Thank you, Madalano Martin, and we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.